Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Hey, fa- wow. Hello, family. Ha- wow. Let me bless you as we get going. I bless you now in the name of Jesus, that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need today, whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to have the capacity and resilience to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace, whatever's going on. I bless you with that in the name of Jesus. May it be. Amen. All right, family, welcome back to our study as we're going through the book of Ruth, one of the greatest love stories in the Bible, an ancient love story about 3,320 years ago, or 1,300-ish B.C., somewhere in that area, a very ancient love story. It is a book about Naomi. She is the one that we start with in this book, and the book ends with her. Uh, it starts with her in the most broken moment of her life, a shattered moment. She wakes up one day, her husband is dead, her sons are dead, and she has got nothing. And she is devastated. In her words, she is very bitter, she is afflicted, and she is empty. Those are the three words that she says about the state of her own heart in chapter 1. And yet chapter by chapter, we're tracking Naomi's journey from very bitter and empty to happy, blessed. That's the journey over four chapters that we're going to watch her make. And how does she make this journey? Well, her daughter-in-law Ruth is a very significant part in in this book. And and we start with a, a bitter Naomi, but Ruth makes a vow. Of loyal love. She, she Proverbs 3's her, right? Never let lo- love and faithfulness, loyal love and faithfulness leave her. And, and, and so she makes this vow uh, to Naomi, and that begins a process. A, a vow that basically says, no matter what happens, Naomi, no matter how bitter you are, how long that lasts, how hopeless our situation is, I will love you faithfully, and we will die, to get, we will die in the same place. We will be buried in the same place uh, to the end. Very, very powerful vow there. That's a little bit of a catch-up. Uh, in case you want a map, who doesn't want a map? We started off in Moab, and that's where a lot of the tragedy takes place in Moab, which is on the, uh, this side uh, over here. And then in chapter 1, they moved back to Bethlehem, where most of this story takes place, just south of Jerusalem there. In chapter 2 last week, we saw Ruth going to work, and it just so happened that she started gleaning 
left behind barley in the field of Boaz. Picture that kind of looks a bit like, like that, just kind of picking up the scraps, the, the leftovers, the things that, that the harvesters left behind. And that is where she first meets Boaz, uh, the, the godly guy who owns the field. We know from verse 1 of chapter 2 that he has noble character. And we, we have Ruth there who is a foreigner, and yet she has demonstrated her own amazing character by her love and loyalty towards Naomi. It's the kinds, the kinds of words that we keep coming across when it comes to Boaz and, and Ruth. The kinds of things central to who they are and, and their character is kindness, godly, uh, noble character, loyalty, faithfulness. Those kinds of words are, are what keeps coming up when we look at these two. And I'll, I'll give you a secret here. It's not really a secret, but if I say that, then you're going to listen all of a sudden. Uh, it's going to be kindness and undeserved love. It's going to be kindness and undeserved love that is ultimately going to be melting Naomi's bitter heart and moving her towards healing. It's those attributes that are going to be at work through the thing. In chapter 1, she's bitter. In chapter 2, she was, she was disengaged. But in chapter 3, she starts waking up and leaning in. In fact, it starts with Naomi on, sorry, yeah, Naomi on the front foot as we dive into chapter 3. Let me just read the, the beginning of chapter 3 and see what's going on now with Naomi. <clears throat> Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? Let me just read that again. Shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of. Do you see the word that Naomi uses for marriage? Rest. Rest. That is the word Naomi uses for marriage. What a beautiful word. What a beautiful word to describe marriage. Sadly, the enemy hates everything good that God has made. God made the woman, brought her to the man. The two became one. He, he, the intention of God in marriage is bringing about oneness, oneness, goodness, rightness, rest. But the enemy has a different aggressive, evil agenda when it comes to relationships and when it comes to, to marriage. Not rest. Wrestle. Three little extra letters destroy something beautiful. Not rest. Wrestle. Uh, not oneness, but brokenness and leading towards pieces. Enemy's agenda. Not, not rightness, but but wrongness and, and woundedness, not goodness, but, but grief, not togetherness, but rejections and disappointments and pain. Ultimately, if he has his way, a divorce, divorce. If, if the enemy has his way, everything good, all the good words that we would use to describe what marriage is meant to be are, are destroyed and broken and twisted and ruined. Marriage isn't supposed to be a wrestle. It's supposed to be a good place of rest, a place of safety and healing for wounded hearts, for troubled times. And your job 
If you are married or if you find yourself married someday, you can come back and listen to this as everybody always does. If you, that was too much laughter for that. The, you can, if you're, if you're married or will be married someday, it is your job to cherish your person. To cherish your person with loyal love and faithfulness, Proverbs 3. To cherish your person, and you'll know you're doing a good job if, this is how you know, if they're improving, if they're healing, if they're feeling more and more alive throughout the years, throughout time, if you nurture them with noble, which we talked about last time, steadfast love, helping them move from bitter places, frustration places, towards peace and contentment and joy. That's how, it, that's how it ought to be. For most people, that picture of, of marriage, that even that word rest, it just seems like a joke, like, like an, an impossibility. This is not. It's not. It's not. Last week I said, a great marriage begins here. It begins here in your heart, in your reconnection with God, in your connection and relationship with God. A great marriage begins with you having God's vision for your special person. If you're married, do you have God's vision for your special person? Can you see the treasure that God has in your life, that, that, that you've married? Can you see that, that treasure that God has created? Can you see that that? That broken person in front of you, that wounded person in front of you, that struggling person in front of you is made by God. And because they're made by God, and really, just for that reason, that is good enough, created by God, unique, because of that, they are most worthy of loyal love and faithfulness. What does God see? What, can you see them through God's eyes? Can you see, maybe, maybe you look through God's eyes and you see them wounded and curled up in a ball. How can you love them back to life? Can you see them through? The mindset of the godly when it comes to Christian marriage is God has granted me a treasure. And sure, it, may, it might at this moment seem like a, like a mangled box, mess, scarred, worn, dark, bitter. But friends, inside, everyone is a treasure. Created in the image of God. A, a creation, a, a, a treasure like a, a fragile seed that, that needs to be and deserves to be loyally loved with great kindness and selflessness to become the treasure that it can most definitely become. If you're married and you don't see the treasure in front of you, it's there, it, it, is, it is there, and it might be covered with all kinds of brokenness, but deep down there's a treasure, and it's your job as their spouse, as one who has vowed loyal love and commitment to them to discover it, to pray it into life, to pray them into life, to, to loyally love them into life again with kindness. And when you do that, that seed becomes a tree which bears good fruit. In season. I'm not saying that this happens overnight, but it is a lifelong joyful mandate, a significant mission to have your person 
to view them as a treasure, to see them from God's perspective, and love them into life. That's, that's Christian marriage. We are only one verse into this. I would love to talk a lot longer on this, but we, 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 our joy is there's more, there's more to say. Let me, let me keep reading here. So Naomi wakes up, and he, she, she finally is ready to help Ruth and, and wants to help her get married, find rest. So this is what happens. Now, verse 2, now isn't Boaz, she's still talking, my daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? Now, isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? This evening will... Um, it's this evening he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfumed oil, and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. Okay, question. Question. Where do you get your relationship advice from? Where do you get your relationship advice from? TikTok? <laughs> Google? WikiHow? Like where where do you get your relationship? Oh, the single ladies. Oh, the single. Ladies. Like where where do you where do you get your relationship advice from? Now, I mean, how about somebody who's godly and been married for a long time? Who, who's getting their relationship advice from from somebody who's who's lived a long time, a, a long marriage, and and. and done that for a long time. I mean, your, your single friends, however, however well-intentioned, well however brilliant they, they might be, uh, they might not give you as good of advice as somebody who's been around for a long time. I know, just swipe, swipe right. That, that's all that you need to know. No, maybe there's more to it. So you can talk to somebody who's lived a long time and in godly Christian marriage, long track record of it, and like, how do you start a, how do you start a good relationship? How do you navigate moments like this? How do you keep going in difficult times? Where are you getting your advice from? Now, maybe Naomi's marriage wasn't a godly marriage. We don't really know much about their, their marriage. We only see a very few things. But we do know that Naomi had a lot of experience. She'd been married a lot longer than Ruth ever had. She had a lot of experience. And so then she is giving Ruth here some very practical advice. Very practical advice. If you want a relationship... Naomi says, if you, you, here's what you do. And what, did, what does she advise? Uh, and again, great advice for, for, for women, but mostly for men is what more I'm thinking about. What does she advise? Wash. Put on perfumed oil. Smell good. Wear your best clothes. The, the experienced one is like, let, let, me, let me help you out here. Let me start you with some very practical advice. Let's make some efforts in the personal hygiene, intentional appearance effort here. Again, it says nothing about Ruth's attractiveness in, in all of the Bible. It, she is just Ruth. You're just you, right? You're you. 
I, I see some, though, who might have an, an issue here. Intentional sabotaging of their appearance, making no effort or whatever. Naomi might say to you, brush your teeth. Wash. Hygiene. If, if you can't get the basics right for you, how are you, you going to look for somebody who's going to entrust you with finances or, or making decisions on life? And just shower, right? Start, start there. Start there, faithful with little, faithful with much. Oh, Brian, that's so shallow. So shallow. I, they, they, will, they will accept me as I am, a stinky person. I, I shower monthly. It's amazing. They, they, will, they will just love me, and I'm like, help them. Naomi, who's been experienced at being married for a long time, she's like, help Help them. Maybe it shouldn't be this way. This is not a moral thing, a judgment thing. Help them brush your teeth so they can actually listen to what you're saying. They can't even hear you right now. Help them see you. Help them see you. And when they see you, hopefully they will find you. And when they find you, hopefully they will discover the treasure you are. Just help them. That's just practical advice from from Naomi there. Get that experience, experience thing. And then... Naomi basically says, when you go there, don't just rush up to him with this, this thing that you've just got to talk about. Like, will you marry me? No. You just, just give him, let him keep eating. Let him keep drinking. Let, let, him, let him go and, and find some rest. Because why? Timing is important. Anybody who's been married for a long time has learned the hard way usually that timing is important, that passion shouldn't pick your timing. Inner felt urgency and intensity shouldn't dictate when the significant conversations are happening. Timing's important. She's picking this up from a a much more experienced woman in in Naomi, and and so she waits, she waits, and yes, you know, he's been working hard, he's been working hard, he's at the end of the harvest. She's like, I've been working hard too. In fact, I've been working harder, and it's true, she has been working harder. But no, 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 just timing's important. Timing's important. Timing's important. Okay, so she's getting very practical advice here in in this process, and then eventually... Uh, eventually, well, what happens? Verse 7. No, verse 7, yes. After Boaz ate and drank, he was in good spirits. He went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley, and she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman? I don't know. It's an exclamation point. A woman! Uh. So he asked, who are you? I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Take me under your wing. Take me under your wing. You are a family redeemer. A few pictures just of this whole context, uh, the, the harvest moment outside of Bethlehem. Again, these are old pictures, 1898 to 19. Kind of these kind of environment, threshing floor, and, and afterwards kind of food celebration time there. <clears throat> so this is, a, this is an old love story, right? And, and Ruth is like, like marry me. I, I'm asking you to, to take me under your wing, to, to, to marry me. And I would say that even though this is an old love story, <clears throat> it's very different from we, what we would consider old-fashioned values. 
old-fashioned value is, I mean, where I grew up when I was a kid, when I was a kid, <clears throat> maybe you also grew up with these kind of uh, directions. The boy should ask the girl on a date, <clears throat> and definitely the boy should be the one to propose to the girl. He should get down on one knee and all this kind of process. This is an old love story, and it's a beautiful love story, and she is proposing to him, right? She's proposing to him. And, and maybe that's part of just, there's that wise, experienced person in Naomi here speaking over this situation. She, she, she knows, as an experienced person speaking in here, that, you know what, sometimes things just don't work out as they, as they ought to, as the ideal, as, as we would hope that they would, as they, as they should. And so, Ruth, I'm asking you to propose to him. Wise old Naomi. Sometimes you have to get past the way that you think things ought to be. And just, just deal with, 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 with what's right in front of you. You've got two insecure people in this relationship. You have Ruth, insecure as a foreigner. She's poor. She's picking up the scraps behind the harvesters. Uh, you know, he wouldn't possibly think twice about me. He is such a godly man and rich and successful. I am basically a beggar living off his charity. You can see that narrative with Ruth. Boaz, he's insecure, and, and he's going to say this, that because she is so much younger, and there's other younger guys out there, and other younger rich guys out there. Why, you know, like, there's other people. Like, why, why him? Why would she like me? It's like Naomi, just, just this person with experience and along. She, she sees that someone needs to step forward here. So she tells Ruth, here's, here's what you're going to do. You're going to ask him to marry you. How's that go? Well, okay, it, there's a few issues here. Um, picking up in verse 10. Then he said, may, the, may lo the Lord, Yahweh, may Yahweh bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Again, kindness. Kindness is at the heart of this love, this love relationship. It was Boaz's kindness last week. Now it's Ruth's kindness this week. Uh, you've got these two people who are godly and kind. In fact, again, it's Boaz's kindness that starts melting Naomi's heart. And then Naomi, as Ruth return the kindness, it becomes a beautiful kindness circle there. Now, don't be afraid, verse 11, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Boaz, noble character, chapter 2, verse 1. They are both uh, declaring one another as people of noble character. You are not an unworthy person because of your past. You are a worthy person because of your character. Because of your character. I see how you treat your notoriously bitter mother-in-law that is praiseworthy and honorable, noble. Verse 12, yes, it's true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. I don't need to marry you. You're, you're calling on me as redeemer. I'm not the person. There's somebody else. Stay here tonight, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem you, that's good. I'm going to put air quotes there because we're going to see how he goes about that process. He's, he, it's a little bit more than like, I'm chill, whatever. He's not chill. It says, that's good. Um, let him redeem you, but if he doesn't want to redeem you, as Yahweh lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. Then Boaz said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. 
he told Ruth, bring the shawl you're wearing and, and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl. She went into the town. She went to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who asked her, what happened to my daughter? Then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. She said, he gave me these six measures of barley because he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, my daughter, wait until you find out how things go for he won't rest unless he resolves this today. Today. Just one quick dating tip. We all right with that? One quick dating tip. <clears throat> this is not the first time. This is not the first time that Boaz has sent Ruth's mother a gift. Something here. Kindness to the other's parents can go a long ways. Can't be worse. Can't be worse, maybe. But it can be improved. Can you imagine what would happen if you go out to dinner, and at the end of dinner, you get some takeaway desserts and say, hey, bring this back to your, your parents from me. Booyah. <laughs> Booyah. That's from the book of Ruth, from Boaz himself. Thank you, Bible. Thank you for helping us. I suppose, I suppose the kind of basic summary, though, of this, of this section is Ruth is saying, redeem me. Bring me into your family. Love me. Like, put, let, bring me under the covering of your wing, your provision and your protection. Bring me into your home. And, and I see Boaz saying, yeah, I will, I will try. I will, I will work on this immediately. And I love this. I love this because this reminds me exactly of what's going on with Jesus. It's such a Jesus picture. When it comes to Jesus, we are like Ruth, and Boaz is like Jesus. He is not Jesus, but in that same vein when it comes to this story here. When it comes to Jesus, and what do we bring to the table? Sure, we might work hard like Ruth did, or we might we might um, made some good choices in life, but compared to Jesus... We got nothing compared to Jesus. What makes us think that we're worthy, that Jesus, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, would want to redeem us, us? We need a redeemer, though. We we need a redeemer, and what is a redeemer? A redeemer is someone who covers us, who covers us for protection, for provision, who pays whatever price is needed to pay so that we can become fully part of the family. Not just in the area of the family, but part of the family. We need a redeemer. Jesus, he's my redeemer. He's my redeemer. And like Ruth went to Boaz on the 11th of August, 81, 1981, I went to Jesus. And I said, Jesus, I give my life to you. I commit myself to following you, redeem me, forgive me, help me, bring, pay the price. thank you for paying the price for my sins. Jesus, my redeemer. Je- Jesus is my redeemer, and, and he, is open, he is eager to say yes to anybody who wants to be redeemed as well, to receive the forgiveness, the protection, the provision, to be brought into God's family. It's, the price is already paid. He is, everything is already. He has cleared every obstacle between you and being a part of God's family. All you need to do is go to him and say, would you please redeem me? And Jesus says, 
Yes, I've been hoping you'd ask. If you haven't uh, given your life to Jesus, I'll help you with that in a moment. But first, I have a challenge for us. Uh, This concept of God as Redeemer, uh, there's a lot of songs out there. And feel free to Google, look for a song, and I want want you to pick your favorite one. It's kind of funny. I I have about three favorites that I kept waffling on between here uh, last week or so. And there's some of the songs that I've put on some of you. I'm like, oh, this is totally them. Oh, this is totally their their favorite song uh, of, of redeeming songs. But this, this, just go back and just be reminded. I hope that you find yourself singing this song about Jesus, your Redeemer, because it's got stuck in your head as you've remembered it um, throughout the week. Also, though, if you didn't get to last week's challenge, I was asked yesterday, how did your challenge go? What was the challenge? Over-the-top kindness. Um, if you didn't get to it this week, I have granted an extension. So, consider yourself... An extension on the intentional kindness challenge. You didn't miss it. You can, you, can, you can still do that this week. Okay, praise God for that. Let's, let's pray together, family. First of all, thankfulness. Jesus, my Redeemer. If you've given your life to Jesus, it's... Thankful prayers, maybe, just quietly here between you and Jesus. Thank you for bringing me into your family, for protecting, for providing, for guiding. Paying the price. If you want to make sure that Jesus is your redeemer, that you have been brought into God's family, and you're not even sure if you've asked or not, ask ask and and this is what it goes like God here I am Jesus redeem me redeem me cover me take me under your wing forgive me protect provide bring me into your family Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Father, you are, you are good and what you have done for us is amazing. Thank you. I, I bless all the marriages and the relationships in this church and those who are listening now or those who will ever listen in the future. I ask for your help. We want our relationships to be godly relationships and not harassed and destroyed by the enemy. And so we say no to the enemy's harassment, this idea of wrestle in our relationships, and instead rest. I bless our relationships with rest, with life, with hope, with joy, with peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.